This program is sponsored by Amplified Peace. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Amplified Peace. We're all about exploring how we can listen, learn, and live differently in this crazy world. Together, we want to discover the impact of empathy, the strength of unity, the power of love, and the beauty of humanity. I'm your host, Lisa Dernigan, and joining me today is my friend, Trisha Shank, who I have just been so looking forward to this conversation because we had, we've been having numerous conversations over the past couple of years since we met. We, uh, we first met at a gathering of other leaders who are kind of in the space of peacemaking, polarization. How do we have, um, you know, how do we engage in difficult conversations? How do we, how do we bridge divides, reconciliation, all of that together? And she and I just kind of clicked and she was one of those, those people that I'm like, I want to know more about you. <laughs> and I love how you think. And I love that you're a practitioner of what you talk about. So Trisha, welcome to Amplify Peace. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. I was thinking about when we first met earlier today, and I had just turned 22 when we met, which feels like such a long time ago, but I'm 23 now. So it's not that long, long of a time ago, but it just feels like different worlds apart. But I'm so glad to know you. Thank you for having me on. Well, and you know, when you say I was 22 and you're 23 right now, I, I tell you, you were like way beyond <laughs> years because if I didn't know that and I hadn't seen you, I would, I mean, your maturity, your life experience, your wisdom and insight, I wish I would have had half of what, what you are when I was your age. So I just, it's, it's people like you that give hope that in this Gen Z generation, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And so you give hope to go, oh my gosh, we're in such great hands. If if it's people like you that are rising up and going, okay, we're leading and we believe in a better future. We believe in Mm -hmm. a better way to do this. And so I just want to start this conversation, which we had a conversation before. You had done some research. So tell us a little bit about you your yes. journey, kind of what you've been doing professionally, how it's impacted you personally, that'll lead into the conversation we're going to have about Gen Z. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for your kind words too. I'm just so blessed by every conversation that we get to have. And I feel like I learned so much from you just in listening to you. And so that blesses me so much. Um, but like you said, my name's Trisha. Um, I have revealed my age. I am 23. Um, I used to be really insecure about saying that in professional settings, but now I feel very confident because it's the age God has me at. And I have just such a privilege of um, carrying a mission for him and his kingdom at this age. So that just is amazing. So um, yes, I am from Virginia. I previously was a researcher in DC, which is how we met. I was doing something called social impact consulting, which is a fancy word for we were just entering spaces, me and the group I worked for um, entering spaces and seeing how peace and um, just different things could um, create social change, how different theories of social change um interacted in the DC space. Um, and our the namesake of our group was called the Clapham Group, which came from um, William Wilberforce and um, kind of his group of social reformers in the late 18th century who worked together to um, abolish the slave trade in England. So 
big deal, big name to be after. Uh, but we also really uh, saw a role that faith had also in creating social change. And so we interacted with um, different um, nonprofits and NGOs and faith groups as well to um, see where social change could intersect with faith. Um, but now, so that was kind of a previous life. And now I work at a church in Washington, D.C. I'm full time on staff. Um, and what's cool about this is that I I say often now that, oh, yes, now I'm in full time ministry. But actually what it was is I have been in full time ministry since I became a Christian. That's what God calls us into. So it's really sweet to um be at a church now and working um, for a church, but also it's it's really cool to see how ministry is is a call in all of our lives. No matter what we're doing, I say if I was still a waitress, I'd still be in ministry, but now I'm kind of in the more specific ministry type. So yeah, um, also Gen Z. Oh my goodness. I am a part of this generation. I'm so glad that I am. I think sometimes um, as a young person, I can kind of cringe at the, at the, at the, um, name of Gen Z. Cause I'm like, oh man, are like, are you going to say something bad? Are you going to complain about this generation? I feel like early, early on when I was doing kind of some Gen Z specific research a few years ago, um, I would run into some conversations that were like, how do we fix this generation or just some really hopeless conversations too, of just like, are they like going down the drain or are they just doomed because of how, how they're living or how they've been shaped, et cetera. But honestly, um, I feel so hopeful about this generation. And for those who don't know what Gen Z is, or that term is super, um, abnormal to you. It's really just a term that describes a generation of those born between roughly this is contested in some spaces, but roughly 1997 to 2012. So again, these ages are about 11 to 26, which is a huge range. I think when I talk to people about Gen Z too, they kind of have an age in mind. And I always have to say like, what, what age are you thinking about? Because this is a huge range. This is somebody who's maybe entering middle school versus somebody who maybe married for a couple of years. Like it's, it's a, it's a long span. Um, so that's kind of the, who Gen Z is numbers wise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you did this research and just to understand the mindset, cause like, like mm-hmm. you said, I think a lot of people don't know cause, cause they age it like 11 year old and a 26 year old, very different. Yeah. different mindset, stage of life, all of that. And I remember even, um, you know, the conversation of, you know, 10 years or so, we were having this conversation that we're having about Gen Z, about the millennia- millennials, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And I remember like a lot of the millennials that were, that thought differently were like, we don't like to be labeled a millennial because there's this connotation and this um, mindset yeah. and imagery, what we think about it. And we're like an older, we don't think like that. We actually think differently. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's hard when you start labeling because not all yes. years are the same, Totally, don't think the same, see the same, but you actually did this research to understand, which had to be really interesting because you're trying to understand yourself. Yes. As well <laughs> as true. your generation. Yeah. yeah. And um, a little bit, we're going to talk about one of the discoveries, you know, you, that was going to lead into another podcast, but what are some of the things like, why did you go I really want to do research on this. 
Yeah. And how did you start that? Like, what was your learning curve to go? Or did you have a mindset going, here's what I really want to, I hope I discover, or what am I trying to learn about it? Absolutely. Well, it's a couple layers of things. So one thing was um, the kind of social change work I was in. I have to credit my boss who really, he saw that young people, just the potential that young people have. And he was really interested in seeing what does specifically Gen Z, how are they thinking about different issues politically? How are they thinking about different issues um, socially? And so he was really interested in me being newer and also a Gen Z. He was like, hey, I think this would be really interesting for you, a part of this generation, to look at this generation and say, um, and kind of report back and say, um, in your own voice, what are you seeing in this generation, in your generation? So I have to credit him for kind of putting me on this track before I even kind of had two steps in the door um, where I was. He was like, hey, do you want to be our Gen Z expert? And I was like, you know, sure, I'm happy to be. Um, <laughs> oh and so he kind of put that on me. But I also then got to kind of grow into that um, just mantle that he gave, which is, was a blessing. Um so that's one part of it. And the other part of my own interest was I um, had a really just powerful, beautiful encounter with Jesus in college. Um, and that was a really, that kind of changed the trajectory of my faith life. And so I had been thinking in college and just in that time, I was really passionate about what ministry looked like to college students, because that's, that was a critical moment for me in my faith journey. So with both of those things, kind of one being more personal and the other being more professional to be able to do Gen Z research and say, Hey, who, who is this generation? What's defining this generation? How does this generation interact or avoid faith? How do they have conversations with each other? What's encouraging them? What's disencouraging them? Like, it just so many things. So that's kind of where my curiosity um, peaked for sure. And the fact that Gen Z, I mean, one huge thing um, that people often kind of jump to with Gen Z is they're the first fully digital generation and not just they grew up around smartphones and computers and things, but that they were growing up, they were in critical and are still in critical developmental stages around just technology. And that's changed their community. That's changed how they interact socially. That's changed for good and for bad. I mean, every, like everybody knows the research um, it feels like, but um, just the impact that social media has and also the benefits to be connected so much um, and also the downfalls of that. So there's a both and there, but um, yeah. That's so interesting because when you say that the first generation fully digital, so a lot of this technology and all this thing is very intuitive to them mm-hmm, for, for mm-hmm. some of us, because that's how you grew up. It's all you've known, right? right? You right. just grew up. That's what you did. You got on a screen, right? Mm-hmm. Or you did yeah. things where for a lot of other generations, a lot of other of us, we've had to learn that it wasn't, yeah. we were raised with. And even yeah. when I was raising my kids that they're in their late thirties, um, social media wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Facebook wasn't. Um, cell phones weren't like they are. I mean, they had yeah. cell phones, but people didn't use them quite. They didn't have the smartphone, mm-hmm, right? Till they mm-hmm. got a little older. Yeah. And how the difference that is, even in parenting, 
and, and just doing life. It's, I mean, it's a game changer with that. What are the, some of the misperceptions, conceptions that you think people have of the, of Gen Z? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think one big thing again is, is the, and this is a broad, I think, misconception, but the thinking that they're doomed or giving up hope or that they don't have any drive, um, that maybe they're lazy or that they, um, aren't interested in anything substantive anymore. And I think that cannot be, that's just so not true because we see so much with this generation that there is a seething, gripping drive for justice. And there is such a desire to see reconciliation and also, um, what's the word? It's just, there's so much desire to see whether they know it or not, righteousness lived out, fairness, um, virtue. Um, yeah. And I think they are, we are looking and always on the lookout for something to align ourselves behind and also fight for, which is really interesting because you see a lot of different, um, I think a lot of people will like coin Gen Z as a lazier generation or they don't stand for anything or things like that. And then you see so many organizations or you see so many media outlets wanting to um, kind of pick up Gen Z at alongside their movement or alongside their um, just their what they're moving towards. And yeah, I would just say, remember that Gen Z has so much passion and it's really and it can be used rightly and wrongly. And I think they are seeking something to live for, uh, which is really it's that's just critical. Like it's powerful. If you have a generation of people looking for something to live for and you have something worth giving them, that's just like amazing. So, well, and it, it, it causes the rest of us to think like, if we want them to engage with us, Mm -hmm. whether we're in the church, um, whether if you're a parent Mm -hmm. of a Gen Z Mm -hmm. or you're even friends with one, or it's a, a, you know, relative, even how we engage with each other and communicate. That's such a good point. Like they want to make sure it's worth kind of their yeah. time and, and their skill set. So it's, it like, even for us doing this peacemaking work, and we really, we want Gen Z in this yeah, world, yeah. the voice, but they want to make sure it's, it's worth their time. Basically is mm-hmm. what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a yeah. good, it's a good cause. It's a good thing to do to be a part of it. So what would you recommend? How would you talk to parents or, you know, people that are leading churches or leading organizations that have Gen Z uh, a lot and, you know, in in their workforce or just in their homes? What are something that we, that you would advise and go, here's something I would love to encourage you with as you encourage Mm -hmm. them? Yeah, it is super simple. Um, I've said this in a few different conversations but um, don't be afraid of Gen Z. <laughs> don't be afraid of them. Talk to them. They are looking, again, we're talking about 11 to 26. They are looking for mentors. They are looking, um, whether you think they are or not, think about yourself when you were that age. I think 
this comes back to earlier when we talked about um, generational stereotypes and things. Even though Gen Z is developmentally different, they had different contexts, et cetera, there's still any 11 to 26 year old and older folks were, were that age at some point. So think back to when you were that age. What were you looking for? What were you hoping for? Um, and a lot of it is relationship or companionship or community. Um, a lot of Gen Z is um, experiencing community online or virtually. And we know that just embodied relationship has such a greater impact than just virtual companionship or virtual relationship building. Um, and so I would say, don't be afraid <laughs> have a conversation with a Gen Zer. Ask them what they like to do. Um, and even if it's video games, even if it's TikToking, just try, <laughs> try to engage with them. Um, and yeah, I think so many people have conversations around Gen Z, but they aren't actually talking to Gen Zers, which is, I mean, of the many, a million bajillion things I love about you, Lisa, you talk to me and you, you engage with me and you ask me critical questions too. And I think that's also significant is asking, um, questions that matter. Um, and seeing where they, where Gen Zers are value wise is super critical. Cause one thing I did, um, about two years ago, I was a part of a, uh, Barna research group cohort that was learning about Gen Z and getting statistics and just seeing the research that they did on Gen Z in the church. Um, and one thing that was just super important was something that had kind of fallen to the wayside was engaging Gen Z with um, kind of just their critical thinking, especially about the Bible um, that just had kind of fallen away. And it was more just Things had become a little more rote in in biblical just study. And so I think that's super critical as well is asking the hard questions, seeing where they are, et cetera. Mm. I I love what you said. It's like so many times we talk around them, but not to them. Mm -hmm. I think we do that with a lot of people. We think we tell people who they are and what they like instead of really asking them. And so I think you bring up such a good point. It's like, don't be afraid to ask them to talk mm-hmm. to them. Like, what do you like? But so let's take it in, in the context of the church, faith church. community. Let's just say the faith community. What is it that they're seeing today that they're like, I don't want what you're having, right? I don't want that. But here's really what I'm looking for. Yeah. That if like, I, I believe, and maybe I'm off track here that they love Jesus, mm-hmm. And they want they want to know Jesus. They're intrigued by him yeah. and the way he lived because he had causes. Basically, we'll use yeah. that. Word. I don't like to use that word, but you know what I mean. He stood. Yeah. For people. He he saw people. He helped yeah. people. He spent time with the poor. All of that, and a lot of times, you know, and I think that Gen Z are drawn to that, but they're not drawn to what they see people doing in the church or the reputation. Can Mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about that? So just informing us of what are they looking for in the faith community? Yeah, totally. I think one big red flag for Gen Z with church things is, I mean, as it should be for all of us, but especially for Gen Z, there's a specific sensitivity here with hypocrisy in the church. Um, 
if a church is carrying a message, but the people in the church are not living out the way of Jesus, his commands, his life, that they won't like they they will see it from millions of miles away. Like it's just stark how much this generation has also has questions about that. And I think that's been interesting too, when I have interacted with peers that may not be Christian or seeking or et cetera. The question is, well, you say these things, but I have seen this in the church or I like, I have not, it's, it comes across as judgmental to me or it, it, et cetera. And I think one thing that churches should just be, as always, it should be on the eye out for is just like, are we living what we are saying? Is our, our, is our heart and our mouth connected? Like, is our, are we praying together? Are we living out what this word says and not just saying it for the sake of making sure that we sound right and correct with, with what we think we should be because Gen Z is so sensitive to hypocrisy. Um, and has already kind of because of just some contextual things historically that Gen Z has grown up in and is growing up in, um, they have a eye out for an eye out for that. And they already have a seated kind of um, skepticism towards institutions. And so you just have to be <laughs> just just be careful and considerate of of just messages and and just being true, which I think should be a call for all of us, whatever age we are, like, are we being true to um, what, what scripture says? And also, um, yeah, so that's one thing. And then I think something that I mentioned earlier, but just the value of relationships, Um, they, Gen Z really values communication and um, just, yeah, just relationship. And that, again, that mentoring piece kind of comes back here because a few things, again, about Bible literacy and critical thinking about spiritual issues. Um, a lot of Gen Zers would report that they maybe have a Bible or have heard a Bible verse, but no one has explained it to them. And this goes beyond just like a Sunday gathering. You can sit in a Sunday gathering and not not get anything or not um, just understand. So having a one-on-one discipleship relationship, small groups, things like that are so critical just to even have a heart check with everybody of like, do you know what was said? Do you know what the Bible says? Do you know things like that? Um, Yeah. Those are two. Um, I have in explaining, I have since forgotten the question. (laughs) No, no, you answered. I think what they're looking for is authenticity, right? Yes. People like, are you really practicing what you're preaching? Totally. And are you really, you talk about this Jesus, but are you really living his teachings in a way that has truly transformed you? Yeah. Are you just saying the words? Mm Because like you said, they can sniff that out. Yes. And that's, that's the faith they don't want. Right. Right. Exactly. They have such a high value for authenticity. Even you see that in transparency, you see that even we, when I was doing research that was non, non-faith related, even with brands like clothing brands and makeup brands, they want to see 
what are you doing? What are you contending for? What do you, what do you, does what you say align with what you do, et cetera. So that's goes also beyond faith, but especially when it comes to something as, um, yeah, as intimate as faith. So critical. I love that word contending for, Mm -hmm. what are you contending for? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really great. Um, yeah. You know, to think about that for each mm-hmm. one of us to think about that instead of just going through life and, yes. and you saying the words and just listening, but really not absorbing it in. Okay. Yeah. We just have a couple of minutes, but I want to get to a question because it's yes. going to lead to our next, yes. our next show. Yes. So you and I were having this conversation about Gen Z mm-hmm. and you said something that literally <laughs> has transformed and informed my thinking personally, yeah. but professionally yeah. with peacemaking. Yeah. And you said this, you said, Gen Z are asking the question, is it beautiful? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is it beautiful? Mm-hmm. And just and explain that briefly, because we're going to come back. Oh, my goodness. Really talk about what is beauty? Is it beautiful? What do they mean by that? Yes, I have so many thoughts on this, but I will try to summarize it. So um, this comes from a, a generational theory, but also it comes from um, Dr. James Chung applied this generational theory to spiritual questions. What is each generation asking spiritually? Um, and for Gen Z, it's what is beautiful. They want to know what is worthy of their worship. Um, and that is a lens that they're looking at things through that's something you see just broadly socially um, also faith-wise um, they are looking for what is beautiful so that's a little bit that's a teaser but yeah and I'm going to stop you right there because we're going to come back and unpack that which I'm super excited about so as always I want to thank everyone for being a part of this podcast and the Amplify Peace community for more information on living as a peacemaker in today's world Connect with us at AmplifiedPeace.com and you can follow us on all our social media. Shalom. This program was sponsored by Amplified Peace. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 